0: Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. Today, join Firefighting in Canada editor, Laura Aiken, as she talks to the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs Executive Director, Tina Saradine, about what's happening in Ottawa.
1: Hi, Tina. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be chatting with you about what's happening at a federal level with the CAFC. Now, you joined the CAFC in May 2017 as Executive Director. Please tell us a bit about your background and your role.
2: Well, hello, Laura. Thank you so much for your question and for having me here today. I'm very honored. I joined the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs from the health sector where I worked with membership-driven organizations on issues ranging from physical rehabilitation to research funding. I worked with patient care leaders, hospital CEOs, and hospital vice presidents of health research to advance key issues. My role at the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs, believe it or not, is actually very similar in that I work with the membership country's fire chiefs to advance fire service issues at the national and federal level. I work with an outstanding president and board of directors, all of whom are elective and active fire chiefs across our country. I also have the privilege of working with our National Advisory Council, which is composed of delegates or presidents from the provincial fire chief associations and the national affiliate organizations. I work with committees and staff to help move key issues and opportunities forward.
1: Sounds like a busy job. Let's talk about some of the issues going on. So when it comes to building and fire codes, what's happening in Ottawa that the fire service needs to be aware of?
2: Well, that's a great question, Laura. The building codes process in Canada is a fascinating process. We have a model code that can be used as written or adopted provincially and regionally. The building codes process is an evidence-informed process This means that there's a specific process using and requiring evidence to propose changes to the building codes and also to make new changes. In my view, the fire sector needs to be on the lookout for two sub-processes. First, we can be ready to comment on proposed changes that are coming from other sectors that affect the fire sector to ensure they are favourable. Second, we can take the lead on proposing changes to the building code. This puts us in a position of rather than reacting to the changes proposed by others, such as builders and industry, we can also take the lead in proposing changes that are written from the fire sector vantage point. What does that require? It requires evidence. As I said earlier, the building codes process is not a political process, but an evidence-informed process, well, to a certain extent. But in other words, it's not just about talking to MPs and managing the politics. It's also about having the argumentation and evidence to put forward in the process. This is why research in the fire sector is so important. Let me conclude this part by saying that at the CFC, we are extraordinarily fortunate to have a Building Codes Committee made up of uh, experts from across the country and led by Ottawa Deputy Fire Chief Sean Tracy and our Regulator Member Chief Gitan Moranfieh, who chair the Building Codes Committee. And it's the Building Codes Committee that is looking at this issue on behalf of the membership and helping to guide us in how we work Uh, with the Building Codes Commission. I'm also very pleased to tell you that our president, Chief Ken Block, is on the Building Codes Commission, and uh, this is something that happened recently. It helps to increase the voice of the fire sector um, in a multi-sectoral process. So um, these are things that we can work with as a sector and help make um, our buildings uh, safer and participate
1: more fulsomely
2: in the um,
1: process that's great to hear now in considering investment in science and technology that will impact the future of firefighting how is the cafc influencing the federal government to keep the funding needs of the fire service front and center
2: Um, we are extremely lucky at this day and age to have a federal government that loves science for the first time we have a minister of science minister duncan We also have a chief science advisor. This is a wonderful thing. In federal budget 2018, we saw important increases to the federal granting council budgets. These are the organizations that researchers can apply to for their research funding. So we want to encourage and help researchers doing work in the fire sector, whether that's in mental health of firefighters or in um, engineering uh, topics that affect the fire service, in natural resources, in anything from the natural sciences to the humanities and social sciences. We want to help researchers who are doing work relevant to the fire service to be successful in their research applications, because the competition for that funding is fierce, and so, Every sector has to do its part to um, help make itself competitive. And to this end, I'm delighted to share with you and listeners that um, CFC has recently launched something that we call Fire Research Roster. So Fire Research Roster is a five minute profile that we are offering to the research community so that researchers can tell us who they are, where they are, what kind of research they are engaged in. Um, and make their profile available to the fire departments. And this helps to um, ease the connection between the research sector and the departments over time. Um, So that's one thing we're doing. Another thing that I'd like to share with you is that in our federal uh, pre-budget consultation document, which as you know is, um, you know, all Canadians are able to submit to this process, Our organization actually asked the federal government for a research fund dedicated to the fire sector. And while I had told you that uh, academics can apply to the federal granting councils for research funding, what's a little bit different about this is that we believe that the fire service itself needs to take more of a leadership role in directing the research So um, researchers often have very interesting and important questions that they are driving from their knowledge. But the fire service also has interesting and important questions that they know need to be studied, but may not have the research departments within their fire departments to lead that research. Um, And then the last thing I'd like to say about this is that we recently um, uh, have been able to launch uh, what is called the National Fire Information Database and a lot of this work is thanks to Surrey Fire Chief uh, Len Garris and Paul Maxim and uh, it was done with funding from the Government of Canada from uh, Public Safety and uh, the Department of National uh, Defense through their joint program called uh, DRDC. And this uh, database, which is available at, uh, or information from this database, the database itself will be publicly available uh, in time, is uh, people can look at it at nfidcanada.ca. And it uh, explains an initiative where we try to gather 10 years of uh, fire information uh, data points and have some really interesting research studies that people can look at there. So those are some of our research initiatives.
1: On the subject of taxes, what is the status of the volunteer firefighter tax credit after the government's 2017 review of tax measures?
2: Well, this is a case where uh, no no news is actually good news. So um, the the, uh, volunteer firefighter tax credit, as everyone knows, is incredibly important to our sector. We are in a sector where... Uh, The NFPA uh, study showed that nearly 3,000 of 3,600 departments in our country are volunteer. Um, This uh, tax credit was uh, fought long and hard uh, to achieve. And the important issue here is actually showing up and saying, it's still important, um, don't touch it, leave it as is. So
1: um, it's
2: still there and that's a good thing and we will continue to say, this is a good thing, it's important. Um, leave it as
1: it is. Definitely an important thing to fight for. Um, on the topic of other important things to uh, to fight for, how is the CAFC communicating the resource needs to municipalities with Ottawa concerning mental health, cannabis, and the opioid crisis?
2: Um, Laura, this is really so important, uh, all three of these topics. So first of all, um, when I uh, started out at the CAFC, I asked the question that you know new people ask, which is, what are the topmost policy priorities? What are you most worried about? And I will tell you that mental health um, almost universally came out first and foremost. Dealing with mental health issues in our sector is really important to our association. And so it won't surprise you that in our pre-budget consultation, Uh, for the budget 2018, which which happens obviously in advance of the budget 2018, so it happens in 2017, um, we made very clear that we wanted uh, two things in regard to mental health. We wanted first of all to to expedite care for those people that need it. But secondly, we wanted to um, ask for some funding to help offset the cost of resilience training um, through a program that is called R2MR, Um, Road to Mental Health Readiness. We wanted funding to offset that cost so that at least as a baseline offering, people could have access to uh, resilience training, and maybe that could have an effect in helping to prevent um, future issues. In budget, uh, we we made that uh, presentation in our submission, and our submissions are all available at uh, www.cafc.ca. Uh, Our president, Chief Ken Block, was then invited to the Standing Committee on Finance to express that uh, concern among others. We had three requests in our pre-budget submission. So uh, this was one of them and uh, we were very fortunate that the Finance Committee heard that request and it was reflected in Recommendation 10 of their uh, pre-budget consultation summary report Uh, Then, uh, we were very delighted that the Canadian Institute for Public Safety Treatment and Research um, for Research and Treatment, SIPCERT, as we affectionately know it, uh, received funding from the federal government and a mandate to help spread the Return to Mental Health uh, Readiness Program, as well as $30 million in federal budget 2018 um, to develop uh, further research and treatment for uh, mental health in all first responders. So um, we see these as um, starting points. I'm going to tell you that today in Ottawa, thanks to some of the SIPSERT funding, uh, CEFC has nine um, departments, uh, members that are here in Ottawa to receive that free training. They were um, uh, flown to the city and uh, are receiving that free training from SIPSERT, and we're extremely grateful. And it's uh, it's obviously not enough for all but it's a start, and um, many of those individuals that uh, are here in Ottawa on that training are offering to help spread and scale. So it's a start, and we're very happy to see it happen, and we want to see more of that happen. On the issue of uh, opioids, uh, we know that Health Canada is doing really important work, uh, really leveraging the voice and experience of um, our colleagues in British Columbia to help understand the issue, particularly in areas where there isn't the same experience, um, perhaps, and being ready. uh, What can we share? What do we know? And how do we help to um, address this issue? On the issue of cannabis, uh, as you know, uh, legislation will come into effect in the summer. And uh, we did make a submission to the consultation from Health Canada Uh, our consultation document is on the CAFC.ca website. So we're very active in all three areas and we're very appreciative of uh, our government partners for um, uh, doing these consultations, hearing us out and um, responding.
1: The new Memorial Grant Fund helps families that have lost a first responder in the line of duty. And the fund also covers associated chronic disease and psychological injuries. What role is the CAFC playing with regards to what's included?
2: Well, this is fascinating, Laura, and this is really very new. As, uh, as you and, and listeners know, this uh, was announced in 2017, but it actually only came into effect April 1st, 2018. And, um, you know, I find this uh, quite progressive in the way it's structured, in the sense that we expect fatal injury um, to be there, and that, that's loss of life in the line of duty. But what's also very interesting and important is that it includes um, chronic disease and mental health issues. So the the federal government, if you go onto their web uh, page on this program, and you can actually access it from a link that we put on the CAFC website, is that they describe a few things. They describe um, in terms of what chronic diseases are covered. um, I believe they talk about working with the provinces because each province has a list of um, conditions that they consider Linked to the field, and I guess over time the question will be, um, how does this become standardized, uh, or what's the process, and what's included and what's not included, particularly as we see different subpopulations of the um, of of the uh, of the country get more involved in the fire service, like women's health issues, etc. cetera. Um, s- same thing with psychological impairment. I I believe that as the field advances, as we have more understanding, some of those conditions will um, have greater clarity and we'll see how that evolves. And so I think as a a sector, keeping an eye on how that evolves is really important. The um, second piece to this is uh, we noted that uh, in one of the uh, pages describing the program, the government is really um, uh, being very accountable in terms of saying we want to monitor how this program is working and are people aware of it? And one of the things that an organization like CAFC can do, and um, I, I know that actually uh, your organization with its fabulous um, magazine and work that you guys are doing, we can all play a role in this, is helping to disseminate information on this, um, making sure that our sector uh, is aware of it and helping to be, the government to to be successful in that indicator of saying, uh, are people aware of the program because they're using that as one
1: of the metrics of success? Well, circling back um, to the technology side of things, how will next generation nine one one, a technological leap in nine one one communication to encompass text, video, and images, impact the fire service when it comes to into effect in twenty twenty?
2: So this is really another really interesting topic, and really. Um, interesting work that's being done at the national and federal level. So I guess one of the questions is, um, and it probably is similar with all technology, is that what is the process that we're going to use to bring um, to bring everybody on board and to make sure that people have the responder capacity or the respond uh, responding capacity to respond to these technical changes. So particularly if we think of a situation where um, you know, 3,000 of our 3,600 fire departments in the country are volunteer. So how do we ensure that they have the um, uptake capacity uh, to respond to these technological changes? And so what we were able to do is to help identify the questions and the gaps um, that need to be um, identified and answered in the conversation so that we're having a conversation not only from a, sort of a uh, a theoretical technological perspective, but also from a, a human impact perspective in terms of you know the, the ability to uptake, utilize, and respond to that technology.
1: So when it comes to culture, what programs are the CAFC leveraging to help the fire service reach goals of inclusion and expanded diversity?
2: Well, Laura, we talked earlier a little bit about, um, you know, the new guy that comes on board and says, what are your priorities? So I already told you that one of them was mental health. I'll tell you that another one was building codes, and we talked about that. And the third one um, by far is um, uh, diversity and inclusion. And we have some really exciting initiatives that I want to share with you and listeners. Um, The first is that uh, we have recently... Uh, launched a Female Fire Chiefs and Company Officers Network. And the idea here is that um, through the leadership of Carrie Martins, who's the first elected female board member of the CAFC since 1909, um, and under the auspices of a committee that we have formed called the Diversity and Inclusion Committee, um, we have launched this network with a view to helping build both the association and the sector so that it better reflects the composition of society. So the Female Fire Chiefs and Company Officers Network is a start in that direction and there are already some outstanding um, women's networks across the country and this, uh, the focus of this is at the fire chief and company officer level and people who want more information on that initiative um, can access it from the CAFC website, and we welcome um, all members that are eligible to be members of the association. Uh, under the, the uh, Diversity and Inclusion Committee, this has really become a strategic focus uh, for the association, and uh, we're really grateful to Chief Kerry Martins, Chief uh, Lori Vandershoot, uh, Chief Ken Stubing, who Promoted this issue and helped develop some really interesting terms of reference where areas of focus in addition to to women are um, uh, Aboriginal um, uh, Communities as well as Human rights issues uh, with a focus on psychological health um, In the workplace. So this is a really neat committee. i very grateful to all the members that came forward. It's uh, as you would expect, people from all walks of life, uh, men and women, and uh, we'll keep you posted on how that evolves.
1: I have one more question for you. What role does the federal government play in First Nations fire departments, and how does the CAFC fit in?
2: Um, Laura, we're actually very um, honoured to have on our National Advisory Council, the Aboriginal Firefighters Association. And so I actually uh, ask them this question because I'm always very interested in what is the federal role in the fire service. And uh, as, as you know as well as I, we always say in our sector that fire burns everywhere. And um, in understanding the federal role a little bit better, uh, I understand that uh, the federal government funds uh, fire, de- um, fire departments in Aboriginal communities as they deem appropriate. What we don't yet have is a national fire protection plan, um, building codes in place, etc. And so um, many of the fire chiefs in the Aboriginal communities are also members of the uh, association, like All Fire Chiefs Cross Country, and we work together to try to um, understand some of these issues. A lot of the learnings that are coming out of the um, Aboriginal Firefighters Association are very important to the CAFC writ large. Um, we also contribute and participate um, as as requested um, in um, uh, studies by the Standing Committees on Aboriginal and Northern Affairs on Parliament Hill. And uh, read, uh, your readers and listeners can actually see our submission again on the CFC.ca website. So very honoured to um, work with the Aboriginal Firefighters Association and share in their goals and in their projects. And in fact, um, uh, I'm hoping that at Fire Rescue Canada, which is our national conference that takes place September 16 to 18, that we will have the opportunity um, to have a session with them and uh, have more
1: discussion with the community as a whole. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tina, for sharing with our audience an update on these key federal matters. There's certainly a lot going on.
2: There is indeed, Laura, and we want to thank you and uh, your organization for all the great um, initiatives that you put out, a terrific magazine, and uh, enjoy working with you. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Tina, for your time and great insight today. And thank you for joining us at Firefighting in Canada, the podcast brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com and click on Hot Topics for more episodes.